Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Big Payoff with your hosts, Rachel Bellow and Suzanne Mushin. They've been best friends and business partners for 25 years. And over that time, they've learned how to make their work work for them. And they want to help you do the same. Welcome back to The Big Payoff. This is our first show of the new season, Rachel. I think it is season number 630. 3011 is what it feels and like. It does. Every moment I'm with you is like a dog year. So so welcome back. And it's it's appropriate that we're talking today about being back from a new season because it's September. And, you know, interestingly, typically we dread the start of the new year and September, but I'm actually feeling happy to be back. I I this may be the first year that I don't have some dread that it doesn't feel like the Monday morning of the calendar September. It, I, I do feel refreshed. Maybe it's because I spent a summer away from you and that was good. And I, <laughs> Wow. Wow. But, but no. it, you know, I know that it, it, it can feel like getting out of our jammies and putting on our big girl, um, what is it you say? What? No, well, this is a mean story, Rachel. This is mean what you did to me because I was feeling very empowered one morning. And I said to you, Rachel, it's time for us to put on our big girl underpants. Right, and I was like, wait a minute. There's something drastically wrong with that phrase. It's close, but it's so wrong. Because, first of all, <laughs> big girl underpants, what are you talking about, like the gr- grandma underpants? So what do women, wait, what do women say to each other? Then it's big like, girl We're pants. going to a meeting, let's put on our big girl pants. What? Not underpants. <laughs> what are big girl pants? Let's just think about really the meaning of it. What are you getting out of to get into your big girl pants? And it feel they feel uncomfortable in that phrase. And it's like it goes with this whole millennial meme that is everywhere on Instagram, everywhere, which is adulting. You know, oh, yeah. I hate adulting. They're like everywhere. And Suzanne, it feels very foreign to me. Very foreign. Rachel, did you know there are classes on how to become an adult, like adulting. It's, um, it's a class. Wasn't the class supposed to be how we raise our children? <laughs> what does that mean, that you have to take no, a class? Truly. Because there are things that people missed when they were growing up, like how to balance a checkbook or how to Life you know, skills. rent an apartment. Right, but the things that you're supposed to be able to do. And the weird thing is, I the feeling I remember is waiting to get the keys to a car. Yeah. Like, I always thought it was so cool when teenagers held them in their hand, like put on sunglasses and then held their keys like mm. it was a sign wow, of freedom. Wow, that is very suburban. But yeah, I do remember. I, okay. I wow. remembered wanting to steal Where a car. Where did you grow up, I, er, Rachel? Urban Bloomington, Indiana. I wanted to steal a car. Like, fuck okay, that. There? You don't need to give me no keys. 
Okay, therein lies the root of our last show, if you didn't hear it, on the last season in which Rachel steals a green juice. Right. So we grew up differently, but I think we share a lens on the difference between um, how children are being raised today, where they end up really dreading becoming adults. And I think a take that you and I want to share today, which is a different way to look at these years and becoming adult and adulthood. And I think that we can change your attitude about it. If you're listening to our show today, I think we can leave you with something very, very different yeah. that hopefully will be helpful. Yeah. You will never look at adulting the same way. Or your underpants. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. All right, Suzanne. So why? Let's get concrete here. Why? What was the first thing you did this fall? Why did it feel okay to you? This fall was really different for me, actually, because for the first time in years, I was able to set up an office because I became a professor, which I hope you'll call me now on this show, Rachel. (laughs) Um, Why do I think that's not going to happen? But I actually got this new office at Kellogg. And it brought me right back to the feeling of like going to get my school supplies, except for it was much more more expensive. (laughs) Because you asked me to pick out the stuff. And I was like, well, hello, mama's going shopping. I think that it was truly you stopped. You were in the middle of a really important project, but I was in my new office setting up, which was the best feeling ever. And it was empty. And it was such a fresh feeling of the start of the year. And I said, Rachel, what do I need? And I took a video. And before long, we were on All Modern in a hot second, spending quite a bit of cash. Quite a bit of your cash. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But it was great. It was a great feeling. But the other piece of it is I liked getting back because I had a ton of work to do on our new venture bonfire and meetings to set up. And all summer long, I kept saying, why don't we schedule after Labor Day? Because it was so hard to schedule with people. And I kept feeling like I was putting people off because there was a lot of meetings I didn't want to schedule. And if you go back to our podcast, Can't, Won't, Don't, which is an oldie but goodie, I was like violating my own rules. So September felt like the time I could actually say to people, here's a date. 
let's meet. Right. So you were you were giving yourself permission to do what you actually wanted to do. So over the summer, my experience was I'm in the middle of this project that's just become like anxiety yeah, central yeah, and everybody yeah. was gone. I couldn't afford to take a vacation. I mean, I did take one week, but like that was early June. And for the rest of the summer, everybody was gone. I didn't even have people to have dinner with. It was like I was completely alone. It was like that movie Andromeda Strain where it was like I would walk out and go, where is everybody? They're all dead. <laughs> and I'm working on this fucking deadline. And when the fall came, people were back. And I could schedule conversations and interviews. And I felt like, oh, And I'm you didn't back. feel like a loser. I definitely didn't dread September this time. Yeah. And I think it was good for both of us in part because we could just get back into our groove. Like, and, and it was a groove that we were actually looking forward to being in. Like, it felt really productive, right? But the other piece of it for me was that I felt m- much more control over my fall this year. I feel more in control. I mean, what's crazy for me, listeners of this show know that I sent my youngest son off to college. And so here's my calculation. I calculated that I feel after no longer having a child at home, that for the first time in more than 20 whatever years, I have an extra 40 hours in my week. So I figure it's an extra hour and a half every morning and a solid three hours at night. And so the best part is, like, I call Rachel, and I make fun of myself all the time for how much time I have. So, Rach, you're like, okay, well, when can I talk to you? So you just tell me when you have, like, 10 minutes free, because that's our habit. And I'm like, call me anytime, it's a, you, re- you talk about a loser. You sound like such a loser. You're like, yeah, you can. let's yeah. have the conference this weekend. Sure. Whenever. Tonight. Whenever. Whenever. I'm like, I, it's so it's whiplash for me. But I think what we're saying, Suzanne, is that the reason we don't dread the fall is that what we're doing is what we want to do. It's for us. It's not somebody else's agenda, right? So when you say, oh, I wanted to be able to get back to meetings after Labor Day, people may be listening going, really? You want to have meetings instead of sitting by the pool and doing nothing? And the answer is yes, because these meetings are advancing something we are passionate about. And we've defined that for ourselves. Yeah. And on on a lot of levels, that speaks to me of this kind of underlying feeling that I would think is the essence of being an adult. I mean, it doesn't have to be that you like meetings, but the essence of being an adult is defining and carving out something about your life that you are in control of and that you're in charge of. So the question really is, why do people fear being an adult so much? That's a really good question. I know. So let's put on our big girl panties and talk about it. So, Rachel, let's talk about why so many young people in the rising generation really fear or dread being adults so much. And why we didn't. I mean, I think that's true for both of us. Neither of us had any dread about becoming an adult, and there must be reasons for that. I think we've really made being an adult look pretty freaking unattractive, right? Like, so much of what we are, what I think we're showing our kids is that being an adult means that we're ruining the planet, that we're working in these corporate jobs or in jobs that we feel stuck in, 
or that we feel like we don't have a chance to do the things that we always wanted to do in our lives, and that this generation wants much more freedom and much more flexibility and much more time to themselves and a lot less pressure. And I don't necessarily think that we've made being an adult look like something that they want. I think that in our era... You had to get out of the house and into the world to have any level of freedom and and, and agency and doing what you want to do, right? We, we weren't online. We weren't posting our own stuff on YouTube. We, aren't, we weren't living a life that was in any way independent. So for us, gaining the freedom and, and getting extra responsibility, that was fine. If that was the price of getting freedom and agency, we were fine with it. Now... When the kids are in the house under their parents' roof, they have 100% freedom and agency online and in other ways to communicate with their friends without leaving the house, to post their own stuff, to have their own identity online. And that means that responsibility feels like just plain responsibility. It doesn't You don't get more freedom out there than I had in here. So, so what are we saying then? So what do we think the real issue at hand is, is that they can stay at home and be half grown up, half child? Like, what are we really saying? You know what occurs to me, Suzanne? In this whole conversation, we've been using the term adult and adulting. And I don't ever think about myself that way or describe myself as an adult that feels like a, a prison. I feel like a grown up. And I want to be a yeah. grown-up. And yeah. I think we should talk about the difference because that may be the door out of this. Well, you know what's so crazy, Rachel, is that when you and I talk about someone we really respect, like at work, we always say, oh, well, they're a grown-up. Exactly. In a po- it's a totally positive thing. Positive. Nobody says, you know, they're really right. an adult. Now, it's interesting no. that with Trump, when they say the adult in the room, that is a negative thing, right? It's like yeah. we need a supervisor, a babysitter. A babysitter, right? But uh, adult is is that. Adult is a legal distinction. You can vote. You can be drafted. You can be tried and go to prison and all this scary stuff. Grown-up isn't any of that. Grown-up is no. an emotional state of mind. Grown-up is, is a mature. You've earned it. I think it comes with life um, with a life stage. It comes with life experience. Um, you know, I have to say that last night I was having a conversation with my young nephew, Jordan, who listens to this show. And he's 22 and right out of school and in his first job. And, you know, he's struggling like a lot of young adults who are new to working. And I was thinking to myself, and I told him about this show, that he's going through a lot of the strains and pains of becoming an adult. But the thing that's interesting about Jordan is that, as you know, Rachel, because you loved his father, Steve, so, so much, Mm -hmm. that Jordan lost his dad, my brother-in-law, Steve, really suddenly when Jordan was in high school. And I was listening to Jordan and thinking to myself, you know what, he is a grown-up. Like, there's a level of maturity about Jordan that came with him having to mature himself emotionally. And so I was thinking, wow, this is a perfect example where, like, age and stage-wise, he's an adult. But really maturity-wise and 
empathy wise, he's earned the right where I think of him as a grown up. And the the great thing about grown up is that it's what we were saying about experiencing it as freedom as something you get to be, as something you're proud to be. And I think what's important now is we need to give you a way to make that shift from the dread of adulthood to the freedom of grown up and the the privilege of being a grown up. And there there is a way the reward of being a grown up. I think there's a way to go from one to the other. And you know, Suzanne, it's not like you do this once and never again. You kind of have to remind yourself periodically that there is a difference and that there is a grown-up path that feels much better. Like, for example, the call that you made to me just the other day about your morning rituals, remember? Oh, my God. I called you in a complete panic because in my newfound freedom of my 40 fresh hours a week— One of the things that I was really looking forward to was being able to control my morning routine. And yet, just like we find ourselves often with too much time in our hands and so you can't really figure out what to do, I was like, holy shit, like, I actually don't know how to structure my routine anymore. Like, what do I do? And I had made all sorts of plans for myself and I couldn't figure it out. So I called you for help. Right. And remember and what, did, what you, you actually said that you had just finished this happiness book. What was that? And Yes. Yeah, so I had just finished reading Tal Ben-Shahar's book on happiness. So he's the professor at Harvard who teaches Wait, this. Wait, is he like post- a professor like you? Well, thank you, Rachel. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Although he's an undergraduate professor and I am a business school professor. And he teaches this most popular class that's on happiness. And I was uh, really struck by the fact that he said that too often we in, we force upon ourselves these um, uh, these disciplines that we make ourselves do things because they feel like we should. Right. And, and that's the mode I was in. That's, adult, very, that's adulting. That's, that's adult. adulting, right? Like, I think I should wake up at this time and I should go for a run and I should read the paper. But that he had listened to Tony Schwartz and a number of other people who said, you know, if you thought about them as rituals instead of disciplines, you would align the things that you do with your values and they would be driven from a very different place. And I thought, that's what I want. That would be the grown up way to think about my morning. And then, of course, I did the very adult and immature thing to do and called you and were like, Mommy, <laughs> what are my what are my rituals? What are my values? Mommy, can you help can me you be a me? grown up? Um, you did call me because I am your mommy in, in uh, professionally and personally and well, more like your mentor but or guru. But um, what I did was basically lay out my morning routine. You can stop laughing now. And here's how my morning routine went. First of all, I realized that I have to actually wake – in order to do this, I have to wake up 15 minutes earlier than I really want to. That sounds like adulting, but it's really not because what I'm waking up for is what I really want to do and what makes me feel really good, which is I need the buffer time to go get my paper, to make my coffee, and to read the paper with leisure 
so that by the time I get to my yoga mat, which I do every morning, I'm, I, I feel good about it. I'm not anxious about it. I am not looking at email. I do not look at email because I know it'll suck me into, well, I just need to answer this one thing. So I feel r- really good as a ritual that I'm not looking at my email. And then after my yoga, I meditate. And then I feel as if I've lived already all of the pieces of my day that s- set the stage for a wonderful experience. Yeah. So you laid all that out for me, and then I I wrote it all down, and I we quite literally tried to say, okay, I want I want those same things. I mean, we had to swap out because I run and don't do yoga, and sometimes I meditate, but sometimes I study my Torah, which to me feels like meditation. So we swap things out, but it was the same. The rituals were being driven by the same place, but I realized, which was a very grown-up understanding of myself, that my real problem was that when you forced the question of, well, what time are you waking up, that my problem was that I was working way too late into the night. And that that problem, again, we can go back to the show uh, about getting the help you need, where I committed to not sending emails after nine. I remember that commitment. Yeah. Was that like a year ago or was that like six weeks ago? Because that's not going so well for me. But the truth is it now is forcing that issue, which is a very grown up set of questions I have to ask myself. So now I'm waking up at 630. I am doing what you told me to do, which is really important, which is I just go right into the mode of like putting my workout clothes on. I don't like dawdle. I don't look at my email. I don't go on Instagram. I don't do anything. I just put on my workout clothes. Then I go right into coffee and reading. Yep. Right. Like that's that's an important part of my my moment in the morning is I just do that. Then I work out. Well, so here's what I want people to understand. That thing that I force myself to do about waking up 15 minutes earlier, that thing that you force yourself to do about going to bed earlier, that's all at the service of feeling better. It's not a rule. It's at the service of our ritual. And it reminds me of something that my therapist said to me so many years ago, Marty. He said, I was talking to him about something and he said, wow, you are really cynical. And I thought, that's strange. I've never thought of myself as cynical. What do you mean by that? And he said, you don't connect doing the right thing with being happy. And you don't do the right thing because of some external moral imperative. You do the right thing because it makes you feel good. And I swear that was life-changing for me. I mean, I almost never shoplift and steal and break into shit anymore. That almost like rarely. It's rare. So rarely. So now when I think about really what it the difference is, as we're talking about being an adult and being a grown-up, I think there's some questions that you can ask yourself. So starting from this conversation, I would ask yourself, really, what is it in the course of your day that is going to replenish you? Like, what are you going to look forward to in your day? And how can you do more of that? Just pick something. Pick one thing. We all do one thing that we really like that is helpful to you. I'm not talking about watching Succession on HBO. Thank you, Rachel, for wasting another 40 hours of my time. But I'm talking about something nourishing and do more of that thing. 
that that's a good idea. Yes, in, in your day, and that and then look at the look at the the kind of um, requirements to make that happen. And now you're aligning the requirements to make that good thing happen, not as adulting rules, but as ways that you are making space for what you actually want. And the difference between being an adult and a grown-up is really comes down to you are in the driver's seat. You are not a passenger in somebody else's car who, you know, has the driver's license and you don't. You right. are driving this car that is your day, that is your week, that is your year, that is your life. And it's yeah. up to you to decide what is going to make me feel good, what is going to f- make me feel as if I'm progressing. And then all the rules around that are at the service of your agency, your decision. And there are so many times when I think we look at our days or look at our work, even if you're in a job where you feel like, well, I'm sorry, I don't have any control. My manager tells me what to do every minute from the minute I walk into work. I am going to suggest that no manager wants you to be a robot. Okay, so there are definitely moments in your day where you can have more agency. And there are, by the way, lots of moments in your morning and lots of moments in your evening and lots of moments in between from what you eat to when you wake up to what you do after work. So just start grasping those moments as a starting point. Right. And I'm going to suggest another very counterintuitive approach. I would isolate the part of your day you dread most, the worst part of your day. And take a very close look at that under the microscope and go, what would I want this part of the day to look like? Not, oh, it's awful. They're making me. If I were driving this part of the day, what would it look like? Now, it's not as if you're totally free to make it exactly what you want. All right, because, you know, we're married or we have kids or there are other needs around. But you start infusing the dread parts of your day with what you want and then organize the structure around that. I want to give you a great example of this that I encountered yesterday. So I walked into an office setting with um, our colleague, Rebecca, and it was a really typical office with a front desk and the woman working at the front desk was sitting behind a front desk, just like a lot of people do. And I figured, you know, this is her day, right? She comes to work, she sits behind a front desk, and people come and go, and she's in a seat, you know, sitting all day long. And she could choose, if she wanted to, to really dread coming to work. This is instead what happened. Rebecca and I walked up to the desk, and the woman immediately engaged us in the conversation she was interested in having. She asked us immediately if we wanted water. And then whether we did or didn't, started to talk to us about the importance of hydration, which (laughs) then led her into an important conversation she wanted to have about deep breathing and how her therapist told her about how she could take 10 deep breaths. And of course, we were thrilled we were waiting anyway. We were standing by her desk and making that moment of waiting more interesting for us anyway. She was lovely, engaged. I'm sure she liked her job so much more because she was doing that rather yep. than just sitting or looking at her computer or whatever else she was doing. And I, I was like, 
that is how to run a front desk. And this is how to engage with customers. And I'm enjoying myself, too. And I'm sure she likes her job better. Yep. That's grown up being the receptionist role. Check it out. 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 Okay, Rachel, so it's time for the first Check This Out of our new season. And um, in the spirit of adulting, I have two laundry-related recommendations here. So for any of you who sent your kids off to college or perhaps are at home doing your laundry, as all good adults should do, um, I will start with a recommendation from my one of my students, Sean, who listens to the show and recommended something to me that I'm now pretty obsessed with. And that is the downy unstoppables that you shake into your laundry and they make everything smell super awesome. Oh, does it smell like the end of the planet? Sean, Sean, you're so fucking fired. But Suzanne... Wait, you can't fire him. He's a student and he graduated. Okay, well, maybe he should graduate to another planet because he's pooping all over ours, okay? This, what you're talking about, has dispersibles and petrochemicals, and that is the most toxic shit. Like, what are you, a 1950s housewife? Do you still use, like, uh, that hairspray all over so that you can't walk into the bathroom for an hour? No, that's another check this out. I use a great texturizing spray by Balmain. That, okay, um, do not. Nobody check out whatever. Okay, like, can I, Okay, then I have another one. I had, said I had a second okay. one. And Sean, oh I'm God, really sorry. Sean. I like the Unstoppables, Sean. Okay, here's my second one. Um, the Laundress. Can we talk about the Laundress? Right oh, that now? is eco-friendly. Absolutely, you can. Okay, so the Laundress makes this crease release spray. Ooh. That I took with me on a trip because I was committed to doing a carry-on on an extended um, international trip that had a lot of costume changes, including a dress that I had to wear to a wedding that was a nice dress. And so I bought this crease release spray. As I was using it on the dress, I was thinking to myself, What? Oh, my God. It was like a miracle. You just sprayed it on, and before your eyes, I am not exaggerating, the creases disappeared. Oh, I want that for my it face. Was... Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a face cream. Oh, It was the weirdest no, but wait, thing that, I've it ever seen. It doesn't leave um, wet marks? No. On your... No. I was using it on Whoa, silk. I'm then I used it on it. cotton. I bought it for all the kids who were in college. I bought it for Joey and Ariel. I was like, forget the steamer. So I'm going to... Add one to this. Check it out, you guys. You guys. Hey, you guys. On um, Showtime. So I c- I have to use my cable to get to Showtime because I don't subscribe to it separately. Is a show called Couples Therapy, and it is real couple. Why uh-uh. the couples do no. this? Suzanne, no. the therapist is so no. brilliant. She is. So so brilliant. And you get three different couples, totally different couples. And it's real time progress. And half the time I'm like, oh, forget it. They need to get divorced. This is so obvious, like they're getting divorced. And then the next time something has shifted, it's unbelievably gripping. It's amazing. Wait, 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 wait. And, and it's, she has wait, a super it's reality. Bu- it's total it's, reality. It's, are you sure? No, it's exactly like in treatment, except that it's yeah. real. It's exactly the same format as in treatment, including 
her going to her supervising analyst, and that's real oh too. Oh my god! And but you do sometimes go, why would people that could be recognized on the street yeah, agree right. to this? I think maybe they must get paid or something. Well, they'd ha- I guess or they, they get free to, right. therapy. I don't know, that's but it's crazy. fantastically gripping. Couples therapy. Okay. When I'm done with succession, I'll watch that. Yeah, when you're done with therapy, maybe you can watch that. So check all that out. Hey, thank you for listening to The Big Payoff. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts. And also, can you send us your questions? Because I think we're going to do a listener mail episode, which we've wanted to do for a long time, where we answer all of your questions and gather your suggestions on how to really help Rachel get better at doing the podcast. So we really want to read them. So we hope that you're going to send us those responses. The Big Payoff is recorded by Paul Ruist at Argo Studios in New York and by Shelley Steffens at WBEZ Studio in Chicago. We are produced by Lily Bello and edited by Ryan Derringer. We'll see you next time on The Big Payoff. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.